0: Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring new residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Dr. Simhan, who's a urology attending. So thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: So where are you an attending physician and what is your official position?
1: So I'm an attending physician in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I am the residency director, vice chair for the Depart- and vice chair for the department of urology at the Einstein Healthcare Network, and I serve as an associate professor of urology at the Fox Chase Cancer Center. I'm also fellowship director uh, for our reconstructive urology fellowship.
0: Wow, you have lots of different roles. So we're really excited to get all of your expertise in regards to urology in this whole residency application process.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm ready to do uh, and answer whatever I'm asked.
0: So we'd like to start our podcast to get to learn a little bit more about you and your application to urology when you were in medical school. So were you AOA?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I, I say now to a lot of the candidates that come through urology that if I were to go through the match right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be seen as uh, someone worthy of matching because I really didn't have many accolades at all as a, as a medical student, I was not AOA.
0: Were you gold humanism?
1: Nope, I wasn't gold humanism either.
0: And you did share with us um, some of the things in your application that may have made you um, a less uh, ideal applicant if you were applying now, but do you have any other funny interview stories or deficiencies that you'd like to share with everybody?
1: I mean, I think the interviews um, interviews themselves are, sometimes they could be really stressful for, for candidates, um, and, and sometimes, you know, interviewers ask, you know, somewhat, not necessarily off-putting questions, but questions that really you listen to and you think, well, why am I being asked this? Like I was asked what kind of superhero would you be and why? And, and really sort of abstract questions like this. And I remember thinking to myself, how does that really impact what I would be doing in urology? And, and probably now, you know, years later, when I look back on it, I think people really ask questions just to, just to necess- maybe uh, understand how you think and or what your viewpoint might be. There's no right answer, of course. And so uh, I, I would just sort of, you know, maybe give warning to people going through the match that, you know, these types of interviews are supposed to be seen as somewhat fun, somewhat laid back, and you really should be yourself if you approach it the right way.
0: Well, now I'm really curious about your favorite superhero. <laughs>
1: well, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a, you know, partial, partial uh, person to Superman. I've always been a <laughs> big, big fan of Superman.
0: So the urology application process is slightly different. One advantage is that you get to find out where you're going earlier than everybody else. But aside from that aspect of the application process, can you describe how the urology match process differs from like any other specialty?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The urology match is actually it's it's a blessing and a curse. And and I think why it's a blessing is you know as as Simone had just said um, that you know I really think this this process allows you to know earlier uh, where you're going to end up um, you know if you're successful in the match um, I, I think where it's somewhat difficult and where it's where it's different from other specialties is that the the registration process for the match and everything really that's conducted for the match unlike most specialties is not done through the nrmp it's done actually by the american Neurologic association through their own match that they run internally And it really requires candidates to be committing to a field really early in their fourth year, if not by the end of their third year. So I think it differs from other specialties because a lot of people, you know, get interested in their field, maybe in the beginning of their fourth year, even. And and I would say that if that's the case for urology, then then you're a little too late sometimes. And, And that's tough to hear. But but I think that's an area where the urology match it being so early. Really mandates that you have to be engaged in the process sooner than your fourth year.
0: That is really interesting, and you have seen so many different types of applicants through all of them that you receive each year. And I'm wondering what makes a competitive urology applicant.
1: Yeah, so so that's a great question. I think that the answer to that evolves, right? I would say you know um, nowadays or previously historically, I think you know a lot of residencies that were seen as competitive. Your, um, you know urology being one and some of the other uh, surgical fields, dermatology you know being others might might use what we would call the weed out or, or cutoffs uh, like score cutoffs like the step one score cutoff for example. and, and now you know I think that the viewership or the people that listen to this podcast know that that test is becoming pass fail if not already. and as it's pass fail, you know I think you know urology residency directors like myself, Certainly don't use that as a cutoff anymore because the the, the bar to pass is much different than a numeric score, right? But I think what what makes a competitive applicant in today's world is someone who has demonstrated some level of research. It does not need to be in urology, although if it's in urology, I guess that's seen as 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 a plus. Um, some level of if you're able to publish in your in in, in a medical field, I think that's seen as a, a feather in your cap. Um, and then, really, I think the other things are just a commitment, perhaps, to the field. So I said uh, just a few seconds ago that the urology match process is different because you have to be willing to commit to something so early in the process. You know, in that you have to know by the end of your third year. So really what makes you competitive is a commitment to the field that might be exhibited by research. It might be exhibited by shadowing or spending time, but then ultimately it's exhibited by the people that write you your letters and your away rotations and and sort of what you're able to gather from your away rotations and what they're able to gather from you. And I think ultimately that good coursework in your second, um, more than your second year, your third year, your clerkship grades preferably doing, you know, honors in the surgical fields, and, and then, you know, research or commitment to research, and then finally, the, um, your away rotations and how you do in your away rotations, I think sort of does that for you.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about away rotations, especially this year when you may not be able to do as many as before due to COVID. So what are some ways to shine on an away rotation? And are there any resources that you would advise somebody bring along with them to learn how to prepare for some of the operating room cases?
1: Absolutely. So, so the away rotations, I think in urology are uh, pivotal and, and why I say that is you know for for people that have a medical school, that have a home program uh, associated with their medical school, then that really allows them, by doing an away rotation, to, to understand how urology might be practiced differently at a different institution. And, and there's huge variability in how urology is practiced. So I think it's important for people to see that, understand that, and embrace that. Um, I think though, really when you cut away from it, you're, if you have a home program in urology, that home program is really invested in your personal career success. So in urology, I think it's an unwritten rule that if you do an away rotation, not to say that they're not invested in your success, but I would say that they're probably a little less invested in your success than a home program that is incentivized to have you match, right? And so if you, if you do well and, and, and you sort of are able to shine in an away rotation, then a lot of times you're seen a little more competitive. So the ways to perhaps do that and to shine are to understand the culture of the program as you enter that program and, and try to be someone who integrates within the cultures as someone who could potentially be in that residency program. So if the program that you're looking at sort of is a, has a didactic program that's robust, then I think I would invest my time in understanding the didactics you know, before each of the didactic conferences. If the operative involvement is intense and sort of heavy, then I would make, be sure to understand the operative experience, um, you know, and understand the operations in order to sort of, you know, integrate well. Ultimately, I think the way to shine is, and this this might be easier, um, easier said than done, you know, for me, you know, talking to you right now, is you really have to just, you know, I guess not be annoying. And that sounds crazy, but you just want to be someone who integrates. Well, is seen as a team player, doesn't really try to outshine the other students. Isn't someone who would step over and be, let's say an unruly team member. And that right there is stuff that people pick up on. And, and, and I think in order to integrate well in urology, it's a close tight knit family of, of doctors and a specialty that's, that's very small. I think you just have to sort of integrate into that culture of the program that you're rotating at. I hope I've done that question justice.
0: Definitely, and I love when any specialty describes himself as a family. It really makes you recognize that these are people you are not going to be around just for those four weeks of your away, or maybe even residency, but they could be your future colleagues wherever you end up as an attending physician or in private practice.
1: Absolutely. And I, and I say, you know, there's, there's this term, you know, six degrees of separation. I think in urology, it's like three degrees of separation. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is, is every program, you know, knows somebody in the other program. So there's a very small handful of urology programs, just a little over a hundred programs, 120 to 30 programs. And, you know, I might not know somebody in uh, every program, but I know someone who knows someone that does at the very least. And so you know, I think when it's that tight knit of a community, uh, I think you, know, you really wanna just put your best foot forward and, and be willing to join that type of family.
0: And you talked about away rotations as being an awesome way to show interest in a particular program, but do you have any other ways, especially during COVID when there are not as many opportunities to do an away rotation to showcase that you wanna go somewhere particular?
1: Well, I think you know there are several ways to do that. I think some programs now, you know, ours included, uh, but but certainly many other programs do v- like virtual um, virtual rotations for one. So students might be willing to take like a virtual elective. Another way is there are actually town halls that a lot of programs conduct. Ours certainly does this, where you know periodically you'll learn about that program in a very tight, small community Zoom environment where you're able to basically learn about that program, but also demonstrate that you have some level of interest in that program. I think the other way that you could really show interest in a program is tell the program that you're interested in that program. So you could certainly reach out to the program director, certain faculty. Again, I just said it's three degrees of separation. So if you happen to know a urologist who could then sort of be a mentor to you who might know someone in that program, you could, could Use that as a way to just demonstrate your interest by reaching out, but but I think there are various ways to show interest that also involve research. So if, if you're interested in doing a research project, perhaps you could email the uh, the that program and ask if there's something that is an ongoing project that you could get your um, hands dirty with. And 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 I think people in urology are attracted to urology, not necessarily because of only the diseases we treat, but it's also because of the people you meet along the way. There's so many great people in the field. And, and I think there's so many that have helped me get to where I am right now in my life. And I would hope that people would say that I've tried to help them you know, along the way as well. And I, and I think there's so many people like that in my field. And I think that's what makes it special.
0: Those are such awesome things to consider, especially when you're going into a field to recognize whether or not you fit in with the culture.
1: Right. Totally. Absolutely.
0: And one really stressful part of an application for some people is the personal statement. And I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for brainstorming topics because you've read so many of them over the years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the personal statement, I think, is You know, if you were to put it in in urology terms, we probably have uh, like I said, we're a small, small specialty. So we probably have around 500 to 600 people that apply to urology every year. And our program probably gets, let's say, 350 roughly applications a year. I think when you really look at the personal statement, there are perhaps um, 80 to 90 percent of those personal statements that fit into a very what I would call safe category. And that's not a bad category to be in, by the way. That is not at all a bad category to be in. There's 20%, 10 to 20% of personal statements. I would say it this way, maybe there's 10 to 15% of personal statements that are what I would call, you know, really impactful. And I think really help a candidate stand out. And that's if you have a personal story that That might not be related to urology, just a personal story, something that's happened to you, you know, whether it's, you know, a medical diagnosis, a a personal tragedy. I think everyone has suffered from some level of tragedy and and sometimes people write about their tragedies. And if they write it in an eloquent way that that really conveys what kind of person they are, I think it really, um, you know, can be impactful more than tragedy. You could also write about successes. And, and I think there's 10 to 15% of people that do that. And, and I think the, those that are able to do that effectively probably help themselves a little bit, but I don't think a bad quote unquote personal statement, or if you're in that 80% group that you really hurt yourself with your personal statement. I don't know of a scenario where you could hurt yourself if you write a very, let's say, you know, quote unquote standard personal statement. And and I I really don't think that you would hurt yourself. I do think there's a five percent. There's five percent of people that that write a very abstract, somewhat Herculean personal statement where they might not where, where they might be aimless, let's say, and it's very difficult to pin down what they're actually saying. And and if you show it to one or two people and they think that you're being too fantastical in your personal statement, then you might be someone who's in that 5%. And I would suggest to get into the other 95%.
0: That's really helpful. It puts everything in such perspective, which is key when you're doing this entire application.
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: Another part of the application, which can be stressful for people is the interview process. And this is a time in which you may not shine if you're not comfortable speaking with other people. And so I'm curious if you have any tips for applicants when preparing for these interviews. Yeah, so so I think
1: um, you know what I would prepare for when when looking at any urology program is I would try to understand what the day is structured like for one. And most programs would tell you what's what's actually happening on interview day before the interview. And so when when that's happening, you'll get a sense of the people that you're going to meet when you're given an agenda of what the interview. Day is going to look like, or what the format is going to look like, and I would say that to prepare really should allow you the opportunity then to try to investigate a little bit uh, about the people that you're you're looking at, that you're sort of going to be t- talking with, and so that might be sort of a quick what I would call Google search or a website review of the program and what it is that that person sort of has done in their department. But that might allow you, if you understand where they're from, you know where they went to medical school, where they did their training, you might actually be able to establish one of those three degrees of separation somewhat readily. And, and I think that's an easy icebreaker if you're able to talk about those things. Another way to prepare might be if when you're doing that type of research, you notice that someone has done research in something that you are interested in or that you yourself have done. Well, then that might be an opportunity for you to just briefly familiarize yourself with what kind of research that that faculty member or resident has done and then you know maybe that's that's a conversation starter for you at the time of your interview and so if you're nervous hopefully it helps allay some of the anxiety
0: those are great things to think about especially you know, when you have so many interviews that you're, you're going to, um, it really is important to have specific key information about each place and be aware of those faculty members so you feel more comfortable talking to them at wherever you're going.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important is well, you, you really just want to be comfortable because the goal of the interview day is for you to really scrutinize the program you're looking at and, and ask yourself if you can see yourself there. But you have to also recognize that that program's equally scrutinizing you to a certain degree, and they're trying to see if your fit is adequate for their program.
0: Yes, I definitely love the idea of fit, and you have seen so many applicants through residency as well as fellowship. And I'm curious if there's any big pitfalls that urology applicants make, and if there's ways to avoid these. No,
1: I mean I would say that you know generally the biggest pitfalls that I might see in a candidate or, uh, you know, in someone trying to enter the match is, is probably someone who you meet. And in a one day interview with a program, you see that their portfolio itself might not be robust enough to be competitive in urology. And I would say that, you know, that's, that's a pitfall that comes from poor guidance and mentorship. And that's tough to say. But I think for anyone going through urology, they would want to probably know before they enter the arduous process of interviews, applications, and the match itself, as to what their level of competitiveness is for that for a position in the field. And I would say that, you know, you should really try to sort of cast some a wide net of support and mentorship in order to understand and learn your competitive your competitiveness for the field. And to me, I think that's the that's the biggest thing that I see is, you know, every year we see a small handful of people in our program that rotate through that we might give them an interview just to, because we're so they might have a, a relatively strong enough profile to warrant an interview. But then on interview day, if they don't bring the level of interest and or they're perhaps a little too timid because they haven't done the preparation that I just talked about. And they have a very mediocre to slightly below mediocre application, then I would say that they haven't done enough, you know, they haven't had enough sort of mentorship to guide them in the process and then ultimately they're just not successful on match day.
0: And speaking of mentorship, uh, it can be challenging, especially for those that do not have a home institution. And so do you have any tips for connecting with a mentor in urology? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think um, there are plenty of ways to do that. I think for one, um, you know, I encourage, I encourage a lot of medical students to actually get a Twitter account. You might not actually tweet on it, but, but get a Twitter account and see how robust a presence urology has on Twitter. You'll get a sense by just direct messaging people as to their level of interest in helping you in your career. And like I said, most urologists at academic programs at teaching programs are very interested in cultivating the next generation of urologists. Um, I would also say that you know simply reaching out to a program and a program director. I, I don't think at all that that would hurt. You know, and 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 sort of asking for guidance. Again, you know, I think the field is so ripe with so many people that are willing to help. I think that's a, that's a very good way to do it. I think the Society of Academic Urology. I'm a member. My program holds membership in that, but most, if not all, urology programs hold membership in the Society of Academic Urology. So anyone who is sort of trying to learn about programs and trying to find mentors could easily find mentors through the Society of Academic Urology's sort of webcast. So there are plenty of people that give webcasts for the SAU and those people would all, I think, be willing to help in being a mentor or or connecting you with a mentor. And we certainly would as well. So we would be happy if anyone were to reach out to us. And maybe if we think if you're in the West Coast and you want help in finding someone to help you, then I'm happy to be that person or I know someone, you know, that could be that person for you, um, you know, to to help guide you. But I think, again, it's such a great field. We really should leverage that in in finding the right people to help you, help support you in in entering a great field.
0: Well, one thing I do know is that program directors tend to get a lot of emails. um, And so it's so nice to hear when those program directors encourage people to reach out um, and seek mentorship. Absolutely. So you've provided so many awesome tips in order to prepare for this entire urology residency application process. Do you have any other things you'd like to offer or add about this stressful journey?
1: I mean, I I would say that, you know, it is extraordinarily fun when you really reflect on it. I remember, you know, going through interviews, certainly, and I wouldn't get any, maybe I wouldn't get any interviews now because the competitiveness of each candidate goes up exponentially, I feel like. You know, every several years, but, um, but I think ultimately the people that you meet on interview day, either the other candidates that are looking for a position or the faculty are people that you're going to see later on in your career. And so I think because it's such a small tight-knit community, I would say that you know you should really just enjoy that process because I certainly recall um, interviewing with other candidates that I still see at meetings many years later, and we remember it and we talk about it, and and the same with faculty that you know you might they might not remember you because you're, you're they interview so many people over so many years. But it's, again, it's a conversation starter. Even 10 years later, it's a conversation starter. If you run into that person and maybe you're in a committee with them in some urologic organization, then then people would love to hear those stories. And and I think generally urologists are just so approachable and so kind, kind hearted, that, that we would love to hear those kinds of stories.
0: Well, it's incredible to hear that the community is so strong and supports applicants in so many ways throughout the entire process, whether they're applying to residency or whether they're attendings. And so we appreciate all that you've shared in regards to urology, but now time to share a little bit about you. So can you share one fun fact about yourself?
1: Oh my gosh, fun fact. I I was just thinking about this, um, you know, as you're asking it. Uh, you know, I would say my, my most fun fact isn't that fun, but my most fun fact is that I'm perhaps, you know, a diehard, I guess it's more of a hobby, but I'm a, I'm a diehard college basketball fan. And I'm from North Carolina. I went to the University of North Carolina and I've moved on since, but I live and breathe um, UNC college basketball and I continue to read uh, voraciously about UNC the basketball team at least. Um, every day.
0: Well, go Tar Heels.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: That's all the time we have today with Dr. Simhan. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McLoyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome leader in medical education.